Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? What? English, mother do you speak it? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, mother Say what one more goddamn time. He's black. Go on. He's bald. Does he look like a bitch? What? Does he look like a bitch? Then why you try to f like a bitch, Brent? Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness. For he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. What about you, Peggy Sue? I'll have the Durward Kirby Burger, bloody, and $5 shake. How do you want that shake, Martin and Lewis or Amos and Andy? Martin and Lewis. Did you just order a $5 shake? Mm-hmm. That's a shake. That's milk and ice cream. Last I heard. That's $5. You don't put bourbon in or nothing? No. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I am doing great, guys. Welcome to a brand new episode of STL. I know it's been quite a while. It definitely has felt like quite a while, especially since I'm doing this as a solo episode. That's really been quite a while. But a lot of things have happened since the last time we've got to hang out. If you're still subscribed to this podcast, thank you very much. I know probably a lot of you are like, eh, that show's over, unsubscribe, but it is true. I'm still here. I'm still alive. The show is still here. I know I'm not pumping out five episodes a month like I did a year ago, but hey, you know, if you're still with me, I'm still here, basically. So there's some story behind me picking Pulp Fiction. Um, I kind of want to catch up with you guys, uh, go over some uh, news, uh, if you will, Maybe not necessarily movie news in particular, but just overall news of of how things have been going. Give you some updates, some uh, reviews of things that I've uh, been into as of recent. And then uh, get into some Pulp Fiction. Talk about that movie. And uh, that's going to be a fun conversation. And then uh, I think we got some emails. Uh, Let me look here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some emails. So that's pretty cool. Haven't had some of those in a while. And then I got a really cool music spotlight for you. So I think it's going to be a fun day. So let's uh, let's get things started and let's rock and roll and get into some news. Get on my elevator, baby, we're going up. Give me that now and later. I can't get enough. So much to discover. Please don't stop me now. Every time I touch it, they're front of the crown. Let them go. All the ones trying to get in the door. I'ma go where they all couldn't go. Up a floor, up a floor, up a floor. Oh, I know 
Alright, so for this section of the news, I'm not really going to go into movie news, if you will. Because you know what? In the STL Nation, if you're not part of it, come and join us in Facebook. Just type in the STL Nation. Very easy to find. And we're posting pretty much daily any of the crazy news that's coming out. I mean, of course, there's tons of Back to the Future 2 news being 2015. It's been a lot of fun. All these different commercials and articles and crazy how the Cubs are actually doing in real life. That's pretty amazing. But there's a lot of news, a lot of speculation, all that fun stuff. We post that in the group and plenty of other podcasts cover that. So I just kind of want to play some catch up, if you will, Uh, go through a few things uh, in regards to the news section. So let's start off with TV. So as you know, this is the fall season. We have some new shows. We have some old shows. And as you know, last year uh, was the first time that I invested myself in multiple new shows. I have a thing with new shows that I tried to not get into because I don't want to invest my time and have the show canceled. Forever was a show that I really enjoyed, got into, and then found out it was going to be canceled. But at least they wrapped it up pretty good. Stalker, as you know, was one of my favorite shows of last year. Didn't really end as well as it could have. Um, So that was a little bit of a disappointment. But, you know, it's definitely kept me to where I'm like, I don't want to try any new shows. Uh, This year, uh, we have Blind Spot, which I'll talk about in just a little bit. But uh, there's a show that just recently ended called Under the Dome, which is a Stephen King book made into a show. It's been on this, I think, is the third season. The problem I have with Under the Dome is is that it's been a fantastic last end of the season, right? And then what do they do? They're going to cancel the show, and then they promise the viewers, hey, guess what? We are going to wrap up the show for you. We're not going to leave any loose ends. Oh, my God. If you guys watched the ending of Under the Dome, man, it sucked. It was terrible. Talk about loose ends all over the place, getting everything ready for a season that we're not going to (sighs) get. It was so, so frustrating. So Under the Dome, one of my favorite shows, period. And then they up and canceled it and then promised the viewers, yeah, guess what? We knew ahead of time we were going to be canceled and then we'll give you this great ending. And it was a piece of crap. So... Uh, that was a bomb. Gotham, as you know, I hate Gotham. I, you know, you know me, man. I am Batman. You know, I'm the biggest Batman freak there probably is. If I hate Gotham, that's got to tell you something. That show's terrible. Uh, as you know, Scream. I, I couldn't even get through the first episode. Scream sucks. Scream Queens. Oh my gosh, that show is terrible. That show sucks. Stay away from Scream Queens. Blind Spot, though, the best TV show. The period. I'm talking new show. Oh my gosh, Blind Spot is amazing. So, uh, those of you who have seen Thor, and we have uh, Miss Jamie, as you will, uh, Miss Cutie, who everybody wanted to be Wonder Woman. She is in this show. Essentially, she's full of tattoos, and she's uh, has her her mind and her mind's erased. She's got all these tattoos, which essentially tell a story, and of course. Uh, each of these tattoos actually lead to cases that are going to be happening, like bomb threats and uh, you know diseases being spread out to the world. It's pretty amazing detective type show. It's awesome. Uh, she's a special forces agent, and you're like, well, females aren't special agents, uh, you know, special forces. Uh, well, that's why she's special forces because it's a secret. Get it? You know, so she because she wonders why she can fight and stuff. So it's pretty cool. One of the things I love is Ashley Johnson is in the show. For those of you who've seen Growing Pains back in the day, the little girl, uh, she's in the show. 
but she's recently become famous for playing Ellie in The Last of Us video game, so she is fantastic in that show. I absolutely love it. So as far as new shows go, I've invested my time in Blind Spot. I've given up on Scream Queens. That show sucks. I'm not going to return to Gotham. That show's terrible. Uh, of course, shows that are, will be returning later is Pretty Little Liars and Team Wolf. You guys know I love those shows. But for what's currently on now, we got Arrow. Arrow's back. He's got the Green Arrow name attached to him. We're finally going to get into the, really the hardcore supernatural uh, next week. The week after that, we get John Constantine from NBC. Uh, yes, he's playing the same character. Yes, it's going to be the same timeline. All that stuff's been confirmed, so it's all good times. I can't wait to see it. Uh, Flash is amazing. I mean, Flash and Arrow are the best shows on TV, period. So, fantastic. Supernatural, oh my gosh, Supernatural is off to an amazing start. Two episodes in, I'm like, damn, they are not messing around this season. The first episode was so crazy, I couldn't believe it. Second episode was even better than the first. Usually, Supernatural is pretty slow. It gets picking up in the middle. Nah, not this year. Right away, two two episodes in, we're good. I hear The Walking Dead sucks this year. Uh, I can't comment on that because I haven't gotten into it yet. So, uh, and you know, I know I just swallowed right there. I hate swallowing on a podcast. Really annoying. I'm gonna try to avoid doing it, but you know what? talking so fast because i got things to say i got nothing to drink so i apologize in advance okay but at least i'm not eating right people hate when you eat on a podcast i know it's annoying so tv show wise uh law and order svu kicks ass as always good times uh supernatural arrow flash those are all great blind spot is the best new tv show period check it out big bang not bad going pretty good um man what other shows am i watching uh, wrestling, man, I'm telling you, I've been on a big kick, of course, the past couple years. I haven't watched wrestling in a couple weeks. That's kind of weird. I know, right? Uh, and that's probably because I've been spending a lot of my time in video games. So I want to spend some time in reviewing a video game that came out on PS4. Now, as you know, I've, I've actually reviewed this series. So since it's the final one, let's get into the review of Batman Arkham Knight. I've had plenty of time to play with this. This, this came out June 23rd, 2015. This is the final game in the Batman Arkham series. So, this game is like The Dark Knight Rises. Either you love it or you hate it. That seems to be the premise here. I mean, everybody's bitching and complaining about, uh, you know, they have every right to about PC because it's terrible at PC. Number one, you don't have another company do your port from console to PC. Number one, you don't take a console game and port it to PC. You just don't do that, okay? It's not designed to do that. It's not made to do that. It always comes out as a POS, okay, period. Uh, let's get that straight. Uh, and I know these things, guys. Come on. I'm an IT tech. Uh, console games are made for consoles. But as we know, uh, and I mean, granted, with PC, you can do mods and all this stuff. I get it. PC gaming, I'm not tearing anybody down for PC gaming. If that's what you do, if that's your thing, that's amazing. Don't knock me down because I'm only a console guy. I can't stand playing on a PC. However, I get the idea that you can do all the mods and all that fun stuff it's great but as we know arkham knight launched it did not go good on pc it it failed because another company did the port and it's taken rocksteady all these months to get it fixed so ps4 the game's phenomenal graphics are amazing bat suit is new um the bat suit originally i hated the way that it looked but once i got it in the game once it was explained oh my gosh it's fantastic now uh, if you don't know already, 
Uh, they've had every version of Batman in this game. Uh, in regards to skins, you can have Michael Keaton. You can have the Michael Keaton Batmobile. Because you, if you don't know, the Batmobile is in this game. Uh, they're now doing Christian Bale Batman. That's going to be coming out uh, next month. Same as Bell, uh, Ben Affleck. Oh my gosh, Ben Affleck is in this game already. Can you believe it? It's crazy. So basically, Adam West skin is in this. So they're definitely going all out for this game and giving you any kind of version of Batman that you fall in love with, you can play in this game. Story-wise, the game is phenomenal. As you know, Arkham City is my favorite game of all time. So the question remains, did Arkham Knight dethrone Arkham City? You know what? I still can't answer that question. Because there are multiple things in Arkham Knight that I love way more than I love in Arkham City. And there's things in Arkham City that I love over Arkham Knight. So, um, I got the jury is still out on that one. But I will tell you that Arkham Knight is a fantastic game. It is the best looking game on PS4. It is everything you're cracked up to be. People bitch and moan and complain about the fact that the Batmobile is all over in this game and that's it's shoved down your throat. You guys would bitch if we didn't have the Batmobile. They gave you the Batmobile. Now that you have the Batmobile, it's not good enough. So, you know what? I am sick and tired of listening to people on the internet. I'm done, okay? Uh, I, I've tried to... I'm keeping off the internet as much as possible these days because I'm tired of all the negativity, man. It's really crazy. I'm trying to give you the positive perspective here. Now, granted, I will admit, best boss fights are Arkham Origins, by far, in this series. Uh, best best boss battles, Mr. Freeze, Arkham City. Uh, there are better boss fights in the previous games. Uh, the boss fights in Arkham Knight, there's not many of them, but uh, what you have for side stuff... For story-wise, for Batmobile, for all the secrets that are in the in the game, and I'm not talking about the identity of Arkham Knight because you can see that five hours before the reveal, it's super easy to figure out who the Arkham Knight is. That was a no-brainer. Even my 13-year-old kid figured out who that was, and she's never read a Batman comic in her life. Uh, but the thing is, is that everything was just—it was amazing, man. The the why I got an M rating is because of how dark the game was. So, I highly recommend it if you have not played Batman Arkham Knight. Go check it out. It is an amazing Batman story. Probably my favorite Batman story of the uh, Arkham games. So, as of right now, rating-wise, this is how I would go. Arkham Knight, Arkham City, Arkham Origins, uh, and then Arkham Asylum. Um, now, that because you know Arkham City is my favorite game of all time, did Arkham Knight dethrone it? Uh, again... You know, the jury is still on that, even though I put Arkham Knight first. That's because it's new. You know, I got to play it a few more times and let everything sink in. But it is a fantastic game. So, highest recommend. Two thumbs up. Uh, there you go. Now, Until Dawn is a new game exclusive to the PS4, uh, which is a horror game. So, since we're in October, since it's Halloween time, this is the game to play for you. Here's what's great about it. It's called the Butterfly Effect, if you will. Any little decision you make in the game will determine the fate of another character later on in the game. So if you're being stupid and you're on a log and you're running and you slip, oops, that person will die in 15 minutes later because of your slip. Because you didn't make it there fast enough so they fell down an elevator and they died. That's to kind of give you an example of how things work. Uh, if you kill a bird, 
oh, now all of nature's against you and they're going to throw you off a roof later on in the game, you know, or off a cliff later on in the game. So give you a little heads up on how the butterfly effect works. Don't be an ass, okay? That's the point of the game. You want to be... Uh, you want to be the hero. You want to be the hero of the game, and you're going to make it through, and you're going to keep everybody alive. Or you could be a douche. You can kill everybody. It's pretty cool. So uh, the great thing about Until Dawn is it's an interactive horror movie that's super smart, takes all the cliches and kind of twists it around. So it's a fantastic horror. Uh, if it was into a movie, it'd be a fantastic horror movie. So uh, highest recommend there. So as far as video games go, uh, those are the two main big ones, Until Dawn, Arkham Knight. I, that's how I spent a lot of my free time is playing those games, and now the Uncharted series has come out as well. So it's kind of unfortunate that the best games on the PS4 are all PS3 games except for Arkham Knight. I find that kind of funny. So, you know, there isn't a lot of selection out there, but all the remastered stuff has been awesome. So uh, TV show-wise, we covered that, covered some video games. Let's kind of touch base in some movies. So... Uh, as you know, Furious 7 came out on Blu-ray. So, I haven't seen this movie since the theater. As you know, Fast and Furious franchise is my favorite franchise of all time. I had the highest expectations for Furious 7. As you can tell from my review, I gave it the highest regard. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, going back into it, though, I was wondering if I was still going to feel the same way. And it's true. I think I love the movie even more than I did before. Now, I did notice things with Paul Walker that I, that I didn't notice before. Uh, that's kind of the cool thing with the Blu-ray. There were so many scenes that I was like, that scene is exactly from Fast Five in the exact same smile, the exact same pose, uh, the exact same dialogue. I caught that that I didn't catch before, which was pretty cool. Uh, when they're all over the city, uh, that's CGI. I caught all that stuff. But you know what? It was more powerful this time. It really proved just how much love and care went into that movie. Now... Uh, let's get into my thoughts on this whole Fast and Furious new trilogy. I know we weren't talking movie news, but hey, since I brought up Furious 7, might as well get into Furious 8, right? And besides, uh, the song of the summer is definitely See You Again from Wiz Khalifa, right? I mean, it's not my song of the summer, but that's pretty much everybody's thought for the song of the summer was that one. So now that summer's over, we'll have to get a, you know, song of the winter, if you will. But, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people have that as their pick, but... Uh, what was it? Oh yeah, the trilogy. So, according to Vin Diesel, Paul always said that you know there was always going to be a number eight, which is true. Because I remember before Paul Walker died, he had said that even if number seven bombs completely in the theater, there's going to be a number eight. I remember that story. It was like two weeks before he died, so I totally remember that uh, that news article that he did. So I totally get why Vin Diesel wanted to, to do part eight because he said. Uh, the part seven was for Paul and number eight is from Paul, but you know what? They want to make a trilogy. It looks like the guys have healed, you know, they, they have, uh, you know, of course they don't forget Paul Walker. I think the best thing they can do, in my opinion, for me to go into part eight and really appreciate what they're doing is if they bring in Cody Walker and have him play, uh, Brian O'Connor's brother. That for me will really help sell you know, that they're not doing it just for the money and that they really do want to keep this going for the fans and for the love and not to forget Paul Walker and throwing his brother. I think that'd be a great idea. So I like the fact that it's going to be in New York. I like the fact Rock is officially coming back. I like the fact Kurt Russell is going to be in there. So I am somewhat excited, although I personally think it should have ended on 7. 
It was a perfect way to end the series. So, you know, it's going to take some really good trailers to kind of convince me that 8 was the right decision. I can't, at this point, judge just like nobody can judge Batman versus Superman because, hey, it's not out yet, okay? We can only judge on what we've seen from the trailers. We don't have a trailer yet for Furious 8, so I really can't judge anything there. But uh, Avengers 2, that came out. Believe it or not, I didn't pick it up. I kid you not. The further away I get from Avengers 2, the less I like it. And I know that's a bad thing to say. And you're probably like, Mike, what the hell's wrong with you? Why would you like Furious 7 over Avengers 2? I already told you guys that like six months ago. So why is that a shock? Shouldn't be a shock. I told you I was disappointed in Avengers 2. Granted, I didn't do an episode on Avengers 2. That's because I was too pissed off. Kind of like Iron Man 3. I hate Iron Man 3. So Avengers 2, do I hate Avengers 2? Absolutely not. Will I watch Avengers 2 anytime soon? No. Uh, I just, uh, I don't know. It it doesn't hold a candle to the first movie. And just thinking about various parts, I'm just like, you know what? When this hits Netflix, I'll check it out. You know, it's pretty bad that I picked Pitch Perfect 2 over Avengers 2. That's pretty bad to say. You know, and I know I'm probably getting a lot of hate for that. But you know what? I won't get any hate because nobody emails in anymore. So that's okay. I'm pretty safe in that area. I should probably do a whole Star Wars series and I'll be safe. Because I'm not going to get any feedback on it. That's actually a really good idea. So, and as you know, I'm just messing with you guys. Because you guys are vocal in the group. I'm just talking about the emailers. So, seriously. I'm just messing with you guys. The reason I don't have emailers is because I don't do any shows. I mean, come on. Let's be honest here. Okay? I'm just making fun of myself. It's all good. So, so yeah. Outside of that, that's pretty much, you know, playing the games, watching TV shows, kind of catching up on some movies I've seen earlier this year. I haven't caught a whole lot of new movies. Uh, I know I need to. I'm probably going to go see The Last Witch Hunter next weekend. Uh, that's going to be super fun, seeing Vin Diesel up on the screen. That looks that looks like a really fun movie. I'm really excited to check it out. Um, yeah, man, there's a lot of movies i got to catch up on. Uh, hopefully, one thing I know is Netflix lately has been getting a lot of the newer movies that's come out. But then again, those are kind of D and F movies, I guess. So, yeah. And maybe that's not such a good thing. So, um, school, man, I'm telling you. So, uh, as you know, um, or maybe you don't know, I do college now. So, man, I'm telling you, finally had my midterm. Oh, my gosh. We did so bad on the midterm. Man, we flunked that sucker. And what did uh, my teacher, luckily, he was going out of town the following weekend, uh, following week, which was just this past week. Um he actually let us take the midterm again. Obviously, we lost some points, and I don't think we, you know, I don't think we did as bad as we did the first time. But man, networking is hard, man. When you walk into a server room, you see all those cords and everything just lying around. That's what I'm learning, man. I'm learning all the coding and how things work, and and it's it's very very complicated stuff, you know. Computer work, <sighs> computer work is you think would be easy right but you know what there's a lot of there's a lot of crap when it comes to computers and printers and servers and all that stuff and uh you know it's been fun you know this new job has definitely opened my eyes and and uh you know i definitely feel like i'm making a difference i guess is what i'm trying to say you know because i'm in a small business now i'm going out to businesses i'm going out to people's houses and they, they, these are people who have no experience with printers or servers or computers or they, they know very little. And when I go out there and I fix stuff and, and they're just thanking me and, and just like, you know, 
they go to the extent of calling me a god. I'm like, please don't go there. But I mean, you definitely feel like you're making a difference. It's cool, you know. And and when I'm when I'm bringing in all these sales numbers, it's pretty cool, you know. I'm actually making a difference on my paycheck and for the company. Versus when you're at a big company, you feel so small. You don't feel, you know, you feel kind of worthless. So that's kind of been the nice thing about this new job. And that's why I'm going to school for it is because it's to make myself a better person. Yeah, it's taking away time from everything. But at the same time, it feels good to be making a difference. So, you know, and that's kind of the thing. You know, I know that STL has suffered. uh, But I want to thank you guys that have stuck around and, and just, you know, patiently wait for a new show to pop up on the feed. And I'll be honest with you. Um, oh man, you know, a podcast, I was, man, I was listening to what, 20, in the twenties, man, easily. I was listening to like 20 podcasts just constantly because at my old job, I was able to do that. I was able to sit down at my desk, work all day and have my headphones in. I can't do that now. So I have to really pick and choose which podcast to listen to. And I'm actually down to... I think seven at this point, and even though seven, I might only get to listen to one of them in a week. So, when you're not even listening to podcasts, you know, it's hard to, you know, say, oh my gosh, Mike, you still have STL that you need to worry about it and record for people. So, but, it, you know, it's definitely, I, I promise you guys that when the time does come that you're going to know about ahead of time. I'm not going to just up and just send an email or, you know, a Facebook post say, hey, show's over, guys. You know, I there's definitely some things I still have left to do. I mean, for sure, next year we got Batman v Superman we got to talk about. I mean, come on. I mean, I've waited my whole life to see those two on the screen. Of course, I want to talk about that. Uh, of course, we got the end of the year episode. I definitely got to talk, you know, my music and, and the movies that I got to see this year. Now, granted... Uh, I didn't really get a chance to see a whole lot of uh, movies, so I don't even know if it's even worth talking about. But music-wise, I mean, you guys know me. I mean, that's my whole life right there, man. It's just keeping up on music. I got the Apple uh, Apple Music now, so I got every song in the whole entire Apple library available to me. That's been awesome. Just, oh my gosh, it's crazy the amount of music I've gotten into. So um, I guess that's kind of, you know, catch up with Mike, uh, if you will. Um, on how TV shows and movies and, and life's been going, uh, family-wise, you know, eh, it's been it's we've had our, our stumbles lately, but uh, you know, there's definitely some angels looking out for me, and, and I'll get into that when I get into Pulp Fiction because, as you know, Pulp Fiction is obviously far from anything about angels, but there is a particular scene in, uh, that I can't wait to talk about that definitely led me to say, hey. It's time to take the microphone and, and do some talk into the nation. So how about we do that? That's it for, you know, mic news, if you will. I promise next episode I'll actually have legitimate news to talk about. But we're playing catch up here. So how about we get into the review of Pulp Fiction? Miramax Films is proud to present one of the most celebrated motion pictures of the year. The winner of the 1994 Palm d'Or the best picture of the Cannes Film Festival. Come on, let's get in character. I'm so interested in big man's wife. Well, he's going out of town in Florida and he asked me if I take care of him while he's gone. Take care of him? No, man. Just show her a good time, make sure she don't get lonely. 
So let's get into some Pulp Fiction. Now, as you know, this is a movie came out in 1994, and it's uh, it's basically like a black comedy crime movie. But the thing is, it's written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Now, if I'm ro- if I'm right on this, this is my first Quentin Tarantino movie. I know I should know these things, how many what movies I reviewed, all that kind of stuff. But I'm pretty sure I've never touched a Quentin Tarantino movie. Quentin Tarantino uh, is is phenomenal. There's one aspect that that he does that I absolutely love and adore that is is definitely in all of his movies. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But I think that uh, probably the biggest reason, arguably, maybe this is everybody's favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, his best, whatever you want to call it. But, I mean, let's face it. This is the comeback of John Travolta because of this film. Uh, this is a guy that was down in the dumps, makes this movie, this guy's making face off the next year. I mean, this is the movie that uh, that resurrected his career. So let's kind of get into the reason behind me doing this movie. So uh, it was last weekend. Uh, I was uh, I was cleaning the house, and I actually was you know debating: Do I want to record an STL episode? And I was like, well, I can't get a hold of Jameson. Well, I mean, I could get a hold of Jameson, but us trying to get together that was something we couldn't do. And I was like, well, maybe I want to do an underground hour. I had planned on a particular topic I was going to do. And I had all these songs picked out. But then I was just like, ah, I'm not really feeling it. So, And then I looked around at my house. And I'm like, well, there's been a lot of damage that's been done. So I got some cleaning I got to do. So I threw on some Netflix. And I was kind of going through my list. And, and to be honest, um, I've been listening to now, uh, now playing Star Wars Retrospective which has been phenomenal. And all I could think of is like, man, I wonder how much hate those guys got on those episodes. I'm like, geez, if I got, you know, I had one particular person that was just an ass 
Um, and thank God we got that guy kicked out of the STL Nation. But uh, he was just total douchebag to me when it came to Star Wars review. Uh, I was like, man, if that guy heard what Now Playing had to say about those Star Wars movies, I bet, oh, they're going to love it. So, But Now Playing doesn't ever really care about their fans, which is kind of crazy. They never read emails or anything like that. So, But uh, what I'm trying to get at is, is that they were going to start a new series for donors, which was the Quentin Tarantino movies. And I was like, I was man, I was really interested in that because... You know, I watched Death Proof a few months ago, and you know it, it's been it's been a little while since I've seen it, but I was just like, man, it's one of my faves, you know. And I'm going through my list on Netflix, and Pulp Fiction comes up, and I'm just like, man, I, I wonder what what those guys are going to say about that movie. And then I remembered how the first time I watched Pulp Fiction, I didn't like it, you know, and but I couldn't put my finger on why I didn't like it, right? It was just so different, I think is maybe why I didn't like it, right? But then, um, and I think this was back in like 1998, 1999 is when I first saw it. But then about, I don't know, seven years ago maybe? Yeah, six, seven years ago. Sorry, there's a helicopter um, coming over and I'm not going to edit that out because it's too much work. Uh, So you you guys just deal with it. It's okay. This is the etiquette of podcasting. Uh, helicopters coming over and you hear how loud that is it's pretty crazy right um okay so yeah about six years ago i'm listening I'm, I'm like you know what i'm i don't know i think it was on tv and i'm just like i'll watch it again watched it again and oh my gosh i was like wow what the hell was i thinking why did i not like this movie this movie is awesome i loved it it was great it's fantastic right like so good and there's one particular thing that really pulled me in, and that's the dialogue. The dialogue in this movie and the dialogue in any Quentin Tarantino movie is something I've always wanted to see in movies. In my opinion, Quentin Tarantino is one of the greatest writers for filmmaking, and here is why. Uh, this may sound trivial to you, but Quentin Tarantino takes regular normal conversations that people have on the street or in a restaurant or with your friends private conversations if you will and he puts them on film random stuff for example the the conversation that Samuel L. Jackson and um dude Travolta I don't know their names yet I'll get into that they're having a conversation about foot massages. It's the craziest dialogue you're going to hear. You know, one of the craziest dialogues you hear. And you're just like, I can't believe this isn't a movie. That's what makes this movie so fantastic is the dialogue. And any Quentin Tarantino in any Quentin Tarantino movie is the dialogue. The dialogue in Death Proof when the girls are at the table and they're having that girl talk. Or they're in a car and they're having those kind of conversations. It's stuff you never hear in movies. Movies have like this agenda of where they got to go to point A to point B to point C. Quentin Tarantino takes the time and says, okay, in real life, what would somebody be talking about in this moment in time? Oh, I know. They'd be talking about this. Boom. And he throws it in. That's why I love Quentin Tarantino because the dude is not afraid to throw in these ridiculous out of the, you know, just off the wall conversations. And they're normal conversations that 
you and I or anybody else would typically have on a given subject. But he throws them in movies. And it it never slows the pace down because he has a way of shooting the film or he has a way of having the the actor say the line in a certain way or bring you into the subject, you know, when they're just having stupid conversation about what a what a you know quarter pounder sounds like in other countries. You know, it's stupid random crap you have a conversation with on a friend with a friend, but yet it's in a movie. So that is my biggest reason of why I love Quentin Tarantino is his dialogue is so amazing in all of his movies. That's what sets him apart from most directors. That's what would easily put him in my top five directors of all time. Is he a dirty son of a bitch? Absolutely. Uh, this guy, I mean, the stuff that he thinks and, and, and says, I mean, do I agree with everything that he says? Of course not. But is it fascinating? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's the thing that really, second time around I watched this movie, I was just blown away by um, so let's kind of get into this, man. I mean, this movie is kind of built into some various parts. Uh, you know, we got, we got two hitmen basically. Uh, we got, uh, we got John Travolta's character, which his name is, uh, Vincent Vega. And we got Samuel L. Jackson, which is Jules, uh, Winfield who easily Samuel L. Jackson is by far one of the greatest actors ever. I mean, at least in my opinion, Samuel L. Jackson He's a guy that can can do the most dramatic scene possible, maybe even bring you to tears, and then within a second say a line to make you laugh. I mean, that's just the power that Samuel L. Jackson has. Of course, you, you hear the word Samuel L. Jackson, there should be an MF uh, in, in his middle for his middle initial, you know, Samuel Mofo Jackson. That should be his be his name because you know he says mother f for every other word. I mean, anytime he's on TV and he does a Capital One commercial, I'm like, what's in your mother f and wallet? You know, it's funny. It's good times. You know, that's the thing with Samuel Jackson. And I swear there was a time where Samuel Jackson wasn't like every movie that came out that year. I can't remember what year it was. It was towards the end of like 2000 ish, I think. Or maybe early or late 90s or something. I don't know. You get the point. He's in a lot of movies. And, of course, it started the whole Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis movies together. Which, of course, my favorite of those two together is Die Hard 3. Most people would pick Unbreakable. That's a great pick. For me, it's Die Hard 3. So, these two guys, I mean, they basically are, in my opinion, they're the stars in the movie. Uh, but, then again... Maybe Bruce Willis is the star of the movie. I mean, that's what's so cool is pretty much everybody's the star of this movie. I mean, the way that it's shot, it's done, it's just fantastic. So I guess we got to kind of break this up by how the movie is, is, I guess, established, if you will. So I guess the best way to kind of start is to start with the prologue. So, you know, the movie starts off, we got Pumpkin, which is Tim Roth, and Honey Bunny, which is Amanda Plummer. And they're they're in this they're in this diner having breakfast, discussing about their life as robbers. They decide that they're going to rob the restaurant because, hey, guess what? Easy place to rob. You don't think about it. You know, boom, we get in the credits. And really, the great thing about this movie is the fact that it's presented out of order because there's a certain point where you fall in love with John Travolta's character. Even though he's a bad guy, even though he's a hitman, he's real funny. 
He's real charismatic. You really dig this guy, and then he gets smoked by Bruce Willis. And then you get really pissed off at Bruce Willis for like a good 15 minutes. Then you start to like him again. But then Quentin saves the day, and oh, hey, guess what? Remember how I killed, you know... Uh, Travolta earlier hey guess what you get to have him back so that's what's so cool is the movie's out of order but you clearly know how to, the pieces fit in the puzzle when you get to the end of the film you know so basically we got the prologue and then we get the prelude to Vince Vega and uh, Marcella's wife so this is kind of where the snappy dialogue starts so we got Samuel Jackson he's driving his name is Vincent Vega or no uh, Samuel Jackson is Jules Winfield and Vega is John Travolta so they talk about all these different things like uh, experiences in in Europe uh, about Amsterdam um, McDonald's names you know all these crazy conversations that you would have with the best friend are in this movie and again the way that it's presented the way it's done um it's like they're all done in one take it almost feels like it's improv that at certain points but you know that's not the case and the best part is the foot massage talk about how you know a foot massage is very sexual and one guy gets it the other one doesn't and just the way that they have the, this awesome conversation, you're just like, these are two pretty cool guys. And then you find out all of a sudden, hey, guess what? They're hitmen. And you're like, damn. You spend 15 minutes with these guys in a car having this cool conversation. And then they get their guns and they're going to go smoke Frank Wally from Opportunity Knox. Now, this is by far one of the greatest scenes in the movie. I mean, okay. So there's like these three guys and, and they walk in. And uh, Frank Wally, he knows that these guys are here to kill him. But, you know, he tries to be cool and calm. And, and we got Samuel Jackson who's asking what kind of burgers you like and where is this from? And he's talking about, you know, this place. And he's like, may I have a bite of your burger? And the best part is he takes his drink and he doesn't have a sip. He drinks the whole freaking thing, you know. And then all of a sudden, he's no longer cool because this other guy starts talking. And he's like, did I... You know, did I say something to make you speak? I don't know. He says something crazy, which is awesome. But then all of a sudden, he kills this one guy. And he's like, I'm sorry. Did I break your con- con- uh, concentration? And and Frank Wally's just like, oh, my gosh. You know, and the best part is he keeps saying what? And then he's just like, say what again? You know, he's like, I dare you to say what? You know, it's like English, mother effort. Do you speak it? It's so good. Samuel L. Jackson is the king of this movie. Okay. If if I can't watch any more Samuel L. Jackson movies for the rest of my life, and it can only be one, I'm gonna pick this movie because this is this is a brilliant movie. Uh, it's, it's so good, dude. Oh my gosh! And uh, of course, uh, he ends up you know killing. He kills um, Brett, if you will, and he uses the Bible, uh, which you find out later why he uses this Bible verse. Uh, but they're there to pick up this particular briefcase. Now, what's cool about this briefcase is, is that you have no idea what's in it and they never tell you throughout the movie. I kind of like that. My wife, you know, hates this movie, but she still watches it whenever it's on. And she always asks me, what's in the briefcase? I'm like, I can't tell you what's in the briefcase because I have no idea. So you go ahead. You decide what's in the briefcase. That's what's in the briefcase. So then we'll pretty much go into the next story because after, uh, you know, the, there's the Bible verse, and then he uh, executes Brett. Then we go into the Vega and Marcel Wallace's wife story. So uh, it kind of starts off. We got Bruce Willis's character. Uh, 
He accepts this large sum of money from Marcellus. Uh, he's agreeing that he's going to take a dive in an upcoming match. So Vincent and Jules, who are dressed in now T-shirt and shorts, you're like, okay, wait a second. Why are they dressed like that? Well, clearly you're going to get your answer later, but you're going to have to wait till later until you find out. But they arrive, deliver the, uh, the briefcase, and then uh, that's when Butch and Vincent, you know, they, they come across each other. Um, they talk some trash, if you will. And then Vincent drops by the house to uh, see good old Eric Stoltz. Because the basically, you know, he's he's nervous because he's got to take out his boss's wife, okay? And the last guy who took out the boss's wife got thrown out of a window. And that's the guy who was, you know, when they had the foot conver- the foot massage conversation, that's what they're talking about, okay, for those of you who don't remember. So that's why he's freaked out. So he's like, you know what, I need to go get high. So he goes over to his friend's Lance house, who's Eric Stoltz, who's got long hair, good times. And then his wife is Jody, who's Rosanna Arquette. Now, in regards to Arquette's, my favorite's Patricia. She's still beautiful. Uh, my God, she's gorgeous. Uh, she's on CSI uh, Cyber now. Fun show. You need to check that out. That's another show that I watch all the time. Go check that show. That's awesome. But anyway, uh, you know, Rosanna Arquette, she's real rough looking in here. But essentially, he goes to shoot up before he's going to go drive over and meet Miss Wallace, which would be a.k.a. Uma Thurman. Now, Uma Thurman, uh, this is really the movie that made everything take off for her. Now, she's on the front of the poster. Now, and as you know, Quentin Tarantino just loves Uma Thurman. You know, he used her in Kill Bill series, which I totally love Kill Bill 1 and Kill Bill 2. I used to hate, but now I enjoy Kill Bill 2. It's still not as good as part 1, though, but part 2 is good. Uh, so here's the thing with Uma Thurman. I've always had this thing with Uma Thurman where there's there's some shots of her where she looks really pretty. And then there's other shots from just like, I don't get why people think she's so hot. It all depends on how the camera hits her. Um, like for example, in paycheck with, uh, Ben Affleck, there's some shots from just like, dude, she doesn't really look that good. And then there's other times like, yeah, she looks good. This is the movie I think where she looks the best because the way her hair looks, it just, it kind of sets off her eyes in a certain way. I think when she's blonde, she doesn't look that good, but I think brunette, that's the style of hair for, her. or she can go poison Ivy style and have red hair. That works too. But anyways, when we, we get introduced to Uma Thurman, um, you know, uh, she is definitely a fun character. Um, uh, she wants to be taken to this place called Jack Rabbit Slim. It's basically like a 1950s theme restaurant, which is so awesome. I mean, let's think about it. You know, Quentin Tarantino loves the fifties when he made this movie. So if I was Quentin Tarantino and I was making a movie, I'd use the 80s, right? I'd do like a cafe 80s style, you know? I'd have like the breakfast club be like, you know, waiters and and stuff like that or whatever. You know, I'd have Mr. Miyagi up there, you know, busting. I don't know. You you get what I'm saying. It's like Quentin Tarantino loves the 50s as much as I love the 80s. So that's what I really dig about this. The coolest thing is the table, man. It opens up that, that car door and it's your actual table. Freaking amazing, right? So there's all these celebrity lookalikes of pop icons, but they uh, they have this kind of running joke where she talks about her failed acting experience, and she's got this. Uh, it's kind of a prelude to Kill Bill, if you will, because when she starts talking about the characters, some of them relate to the characters you're going to get in Kill Bill. So I find that very interesting. That was very cool. But the name of that project was Fox Force Five. 
But there's this running joke in there. And uh, there's also another one about a milkshake. It's a $5 milkshake. You got uh, Steve Buscemi, who's actually a waiter. He's funny as all heck. But I love where he's just like, so this is a $5 shake. And it's just milk and ice cream, and it's $5. And there's no bourbon in there. Because I just want to know what a $5 shake tastes like. Really great dialogue there. It's good times. And the reason why this scene works so well is, of course, it's going to be so iconic in just a few moments. Because, you know, there's going to be the, the cigarette conversation where she's like, my boss, your, you know, my husband, your boss told you to take me, you know, and, and basically out on the dance floor and, and have a good time and we're going to win this thing. But I just, I love her attitude, the way that she points to John Travolta and, and tells him what to do. They go out on the dance floor and he uses his old school moves, but he's just so suave and cool that that's what really brought everybody's attention back to John Travolta's like, you know what? This guy's still got it. This guy is still awesome. This guy is still amazing. So um, the unfortunate thing that happens though is that, you know, they, they go back to, uh, they go back to the house and, you know, I love him. He's just like, he definitely is into her. But then he's just like, you know what, I respect my boss too much and I'm just going to go home and, you know, do my business and and, and that's going to be it. So he's trying to convince himself that he's going to just go in the bathroom and talk himself out of things and, and, and go home. But earlier in the film, if you remember, he got high. Well, there's this there's this heroin that he purchased that uh, was super strong. She didn't think anything of it. She basically snorts it, overdoses. It's crazy. So you're thinking, oh my gosh, Uma Thurman is dead. Then this next part of the movie gets real funny because John Travolta takes Uma Thurman over to Eric Stoltz's house and he drives through his house. It's so funny. And the dialogue in this scene is fantastic. Just about overdoses and I've never done anything like this and I've never had people over that have overdosed and if I do, I'll bring them to your house and you put the needle in there and give her adrenaline. Oh, it's it's brilliant, brilliant stuff, man. It, it, it's excellent. So... Uh, it's one of the best scenes of the mil- of the movie. It's just it's it's. Cr- I find myself laughing at this movie not because it's so funny, but because of the fact of the situations that are in this movie are so insane. I can't help but laugh, if that makes sense. And I'm you know it's not like this is a an, a movie that could never happen because it clearly could, but it's just you're just like wow that's jacked up. You know, you sit there, you watch the scene and you're like, you just laugh and you're just like, wow, that was jacked up. Could it get any worse than this? And it does. So after the whole incident, you know, they give her the adrenaline. She wakes up. She's all good. Uh, she tells the joke. It's actually kind of funny. It's about, you know, tomato coming over. The You know, it gets squashed and, and father tells you should have catched up, you know, catch up. You know, uh, it's a funny joke. It's much funnier when Uma Thurman tells it. So then we get my least favorite scene of the movie, which is the prelude to the gold watch. So we got young Butch who's watching TV and this this veteran, uh, this Vietnam veteran comes in. His name's Captain Coons, a.k.a. Christopher Walken. Now, I love Christopher Walken. You guys know that. But, man, he tells the most boring story about a gold watch being shoved up people's rear ends for all these years. And it is just the most stupidest scene of the whole entire movie i can't stand it now i get the significance of the story and the purpose of the watch 
but I hate every single second of this scene. Oh, I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. Oh, I just can't stand it. I will fast forward it every single time it comes on. It's the one thing about this movie that I freaking hate is this gold watch talk with the kid. It's just, I, hmm, let's, let's try to figure this out, what I don't like about it. I think it's because Christopher Walken is overacting here. Um, the story itself is just like, I don't know. It's something about it just annoys the piss out of me, and I can't tell you the reason behind it. That's all I can tell you. So I absolutely hate this scene. So going, let's move on to the rest of the of the movie. That that's awesome. So he wakes up. Clearly, I get the significance of the watch. But now we get into the Bruce Willis story. This is actually a fun part of the uh, of the story. Um, basically, we have uh, Butch, who is Bruce Willis's character. And he, as you know, is supposed to, he's already agreed to Marcellus that, you know what? Hey, I'm going to drop the fight. But as we know, he doesn't drop the fight and he makes a crap load of money and he takes off. So he's on his way to go see uh, his girlfriend. Uh, but there's actually this taxi driver uh, loves the fact that he just killed a guy because he has no idea the guy that he hit that he killed. But Butch finds out about it uh, inside the vehicle in the taxi, pays the lady, hey, keep your mouth shut about the situation. You never saw me. And she's like, okay, cool. So then you meet his girlfriend who definitely wants to have a baby. Uh, the best part is after, you know, Bruce Willis is in the shower and he starts making fun of his girlfriend. Then they start having this argument, which is such an argument that regular people would have, but you don't see in movies. Another scene that's fantastic. Now, for whatever reason, I think Bruce Willis, in his past life, if you guys believe in that stuff, I think he was a porn star. For whatever reason, this guy likes to be naked. He likes to show his junk on TV. I don't know what it is, man. He did that whole color of, I don't know, what was it called? Color, whatever. He's got to show his winky to everybody. I don't know, man. Bruce Willis is all about showing his junk. And, uh, you know, eh, they show it in this movie. So, I mean, it's not as bad as that other sex movie he did, but it's like, seriously, dude. So, uh, anyway, the, the shower scene though, I mean, I, I definitely dig not because, you know, you know, I, you get to see Bruce Willis's junk, but it's because of the dialogue in that scene. So fantastic. So they're basically going to be on the move to leave. And then he finds out, oops, she forgot to watch. What I dig about this scene is that he goes postal, man. He takes TV. He throws it everywhere. Freaks out his girlfriend. She's hiding in a corner. Now, the cool thing is is that he immediately redeems himself because you could clearly take Bruce Willis. He has a perfect balance here because you could easily take him as like an abusive boyfriend. But you clearly in the next in the next few moments get that he's not that way because he's he sits there and he apologizes. He didn't mean to scare. He just explains the significance of the watch. And then he instantly redeems himself. So there's a perfect balance that Quinnen does in that scene. The, the performance he gets out of Willis in that scene, I dig. I love. It's one of my favorite scenes of Willis in this movie is that hotel scene where he just flips out about the watch. It's good times. Uh, so basically, Bruce Willis, a.k.a. Butch, he's got to go back to his apartment. He gets the watch, but he notices, hey, nobody's here to kill me. Huh, that's weird. But that's okay. I'm going to go get something neat. Guess who's in the toilet taking a dump? Yep, you got it, John Travolta. What happens? Bruce Willis grabs his gun, kills him, and I start, I'm like, oh, man, I don't remember this part. 
how the hell is John Travolta dead here? But he's going to be in later in the movie. And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie's out of order. Duh. So that's the cool thing. I'm glad that they did this because the Bruce Willis story is a very great story. But I'm glad it's secondary and not the primary story. Clearly, the primary story is is Travolta and Jackson. That's your primary story. It's it's great to keep it that way. Uh, that's why this movie is so great, man. It's Quentin new. I mean, this movie from point A to point B outside the prelude to the watch thing, which I, th- but eh, it's only in two minutes. So it's forgivable. Uh, but yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, that it's just perfect balance in this movie. Uh, so he, uh, after he kills him, he's basically going to go, um, go back to his girlfriend. He takes, he takes a car and what happens? He comes in contact with Marcel himself. Now, I haven't talked about Ving Rhames here. Ving Rhames, that guy's a huge guy. He's very close to Michael Clark Duncan. One thing my wife always does is she gets those two people confused. She knows Michael Clark Duncan died. And she loves Michael Clark Duncan. But she just, Ving Rhames, she just, they do look so much alike, right? You know, and it's not a black thing, all right? Let's not go there. I mean, come on. Facial and body-wise, those those boys look almost identical. It's pretty crazy, you know. It's like you would think that they were like brothers. It's awesome. I love I love Ving Rhames and I love Michael Clark Duncan. And they both have those those deep voices, you know. And that's why Ving Rhames has all these cool commercials nowadays. He's like the new James Earl Jones. He's just got that awesome voice. It's awesome. But he's walking down the street, sees Bruce Willis, and he's like, Mother Effer, and Bruce Willis hits the gas, takes him out. This is what's cool with this scene here is the fact of there's this lady trying to help Bruce Willis. He's got all this glass in his face and she gets shot. You know, typically in these movies, people, the people that are shooting, you know, they're either hitting a building or they're hitting a car. But they actually show innocent civilians getting murdered in this scene. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that this is a a, a typical thing that, you know, most people would be like, oh, yeah. Um, the bullet's going to miss this civilian, but it's going to hit the car or whatever. Quinnen doesn't play it safe. He goes out of his way to tell you how serious the situation is, is that, you know, he's, he's hurt. He's shooting. He's not hitting his target. He's killing innocent people. And, and, and Willis takes off and he goes into this gun shop. And then uh, that's also when Ving Rhames goes into, into the gun shop and they're both having their fight. They end up going into the wrong shop because what happens is they go into a rape house, if you will. So we get this, uh, we get this security guard, um, uh, and then we get like this gimp. It's a pretty intense scene, and and I think I want to say it's the best scene of the movie. And I know it's kind of hardcore to say, but there's a reason why I think it is. Is because the balance of intensity, drama, and comedy are fantastic. So let's talk about the intensity here. We got two guys who absolutely hate each other. Uh, they're they're locked up, and they and they have a cop show up, and they think, okay, they're in trouble. And then they open this this box, and this gimp comes out, and you're like, okay, how long has that guy been in that box, and how is he still alive? But you know, you forgive that scene. Uh, but then you're like, okay. So we got this gag in our mouth and then clearly these guys are into guys. So you're like eeny, meeny, miny, moe and you know something bad's going to happen. 
Luckily, Bruce Willis at this point has been trying to get his, you know, he's been trying to get himself free. But they take Ving Rhames in the back. And Mr. Cop decides that he's going to rape Mr. Rhames. Now, terrible situation, obviously. We have Willis goes upstairs and, you know, he takes the gimp out, you know, and and he's about ready to walk out the door. This is what's so cool about his character. Your mortal enemy, you decide that you're going to go save. Now, was he expecting to be let free? We won't really know, but that's what makes this Butch character that much better of a character is in this moment. Because he's been a pretty decent guy, you know. He's been kind of crappy to his girlfriend, but, you know, he redeemed himself. But this is the ultimate redemption for this guy. When you're mortal enemy, you're going to go and save his life. Man, it's pretty pretty powerful stuff that happened in just a few moments. And then it turns into badass action because the moment you see that samurai sword, you're like, yeah, dude. You know, even if you're a person who's against killing, you're like, yeah, dude, go take those guys and cut them up, man. You know, you're just, you're rooting for him. And that's what he does. He takes his sword, cuts the one dude, and uh, and Ving Rhames, he's getting, man, he's getting raped real bad. He sees Bruce Willis coming in, and, oh, man, once dude, the cop finds out, turns around, Ving Rhames grabs a gun and blows his junk off. It's hardcore stuff, man. But... The dialogue in this scene where he's just like, you okay? I The way it's shot is like it's so, so emotional the way that these two have a conversation where he's like, no, nah, man, I'm far from okay. I'm pretty gone. And he goes, I'm going to bring me some, you know, and of course, you know, black people like to use the N word, you know, it's kind of like white people can say honky. But, you know, you don't want to have a black person say it. But, you know, white people aren't supposed to say the N-word. But, I mean, they go all out in this movie. Everybody says the N-word in this movie. Uh, but you got Ving Rhames who's being like, nah, man, I'm going to give me some hardcore, you know, N to uh, jack up Mr. Mr. Rapist over here. And then we're going to take a blowtorch. And he's going to have a miserable remaining minutes of his life. And you're just like, you're just imagining the things that he's saying. You're just like, man, I am so glad I am not in this position. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, dude, this is, this is worse than anything that happens in Saw. I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. And then he's like, no, I meant about us. He goes, oh, about that, uh, you know, about what happens now. I just love the way he's just like, oh, that. So what does he say? He's like, oh, that what about now? We're cool. And then he gives him the rules, you know. And the whole time he's keeping eye contact with the cop. Never moves his eyes. The whole scene. That scene is flawless, man. I don't think it was, there's ever a cut in that scene. I think it was, you know, it's like the scene in Karate Kid. You know, Mr. Miyagi taking care of Daniel when he got his butt beat. And they're talking about black belts and all that stuff. It's one shot. One scene, one take. That's what I think happened in that scene. But Butch agrees that, hey, you know, I will follow your rules. I'll get out of town now. I'll never come back. And he grabs his girlfriend and his girlfriend doesn't want to leave. And he's trying to tell, come on, baby, let's go. Let's go. And she just doesn't want to leave and says, what happened to Zed? Zed's dead, baby. And that's it. That's the end of Bruce Willis's story. So it's definitely 
I think story-wise, probably the best story in the film, but it's not not my favorite. I don't know. How do I put this? It's the story that has the most impact, but it's not my favorite story. You know, my favorite story is just everything that happens with Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. That's my favorite stuff in the movie, but but that's, that, that 15 minutes is pure gold. And what makes this movie so amazing? Because it has that moment of shock and the moment of awe and the moment of cheer and the moment of action and the moment of drama. It's just, it has it all in just a few minutes. It's brilliant stuff, man. Good times. So then we get to, uh, we get to the Bonnie situation. So this is where I was always confused. I'm like, wait a second. When did that scene happen? All of a sudden we go back to, Hey, John Travolta is alive again because, uh, we go back to Vincent Jules, you know, uh, they essentially, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, they get, um, Jules gets shot at essentially by Robert Arquette, um, AKA would be Patricia Arquette's, you know, brother. And I've already meant, did I mention this before? Okay. If I haven't mentioned it before, cause like, I can't remember cause you know, like I said, I'm a little rusty. Patricia Arquette, gorgeous. I love her. She is, she's beautiful, man. Rosanna Arquette, she's rough looking in this movie. And she's supposed to be, but, uh, you know, uh, Robert Arquette is, uh, you know, he, he's now a female if I, if I remember correctly, but he's actually a guy in this movie and he comes out and he tries to smoke, uh, he tries to smoke Jules and, and, and Vince and, uh, all his bullets miss. So after they kill him, there's a big revelation that happens where he's just like, it's a sign from God, man, that I need to retire as a hitman. And then we get into the fun, the fun, crazy story. So, and the reason why, you know, after I was done with this movie and it really just hit me how great this movie was. And I was just texting Jameson about it. And I was just like, I was thinking, man, this should be a movie I should talk about. But I was like, nah, you know, and, and I went on, you know, with my day. So a few days, a few days later, um, with, uh, I'm going to kind of tell you, uh, you know, how this all, you know, relates, if you will, uh, with me wanting to do this movie with the miracle, because, uh, a few days, you know, every day I'd been thinking about this movie after I seen it. And of course I was always thinking about the miracle part. Cause it's kind of cool. Hitman wants to be reformed because, you know, it was act of God, if you will. And, and I totally forgot about all that stuff. And then, uh, there my van that because I, I use a van to go to clients house, you know, clients and, and you know, p- home users and business users. You know, we have a company van that I take and uh, the, the tires were kind of, you know, um, not very good, not winter safe, if you will. So uh, we had some spare tires up in the attic and I took it to our normal mechanic and he put on these tires and I picked up my van. So the next day I'm driving and it feels kind of like I got a flat, you know, it's making that sound it makes when you have a flat and I look and nothing's there. So I just figured maybe the tire's out of balance, you know, and that's what everybody else at work said as well. So then, uh, the next day I got to drive about 20 miles to a destination Two twenty, you know, it takes 20 miles to get there and then 20 miles back to the office. 
So 20 miles of driving there, man, that sounds getting really loud, right? I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, it's pretty pretty crazy. And I get out of the van, I look, and everything's fine. On my way back, though, man, car, the van is shaking real bad. Steering wheel is shaking real bad. My seats, my butt is just vibrating like crazy. I'm, I'm driving 55 miles an hour here. I get to the shop, and... You know, and I just tell everybody, man, something doesn't feel right. So I call the guy up on the phone and I tell him what's going on. He's like, you know, are are you sure you're not missing any lug nuts? And I look and two of the five lug nuts are gone. They are just missing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I And then here's what is really crazy. The other three remaining lug nuts are finger tight. And if you know what finger tight means, it means you just took the lug nut and you turned it until it was tight and then you moved on. You never made it tight. So I was just like, like I almost died today. Talk about a miracle. You know, I'm like, man, I had some angels looking out for me. It was crazy. And then I was just like, man, you know, we had jewels that had the miracle and then I had the miracle. I got to do Pulp Fiction. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was too obvious that I, that I had to do it. But it was just, I was so lucky and that freaked me out all night, man. I'm telling you, just like what could have happened if that tire had fallen off and I'm doing 55 miles an hour and I rolled the van and God only knows what would have happened to me. So uh, that's kind of my story, why I wanted to do Pulp Fiction. But kind of going back to this story, it's kind of a funny story because you got, you know, Travolta talking to the remaining guy and they're just having a conversation because he's arguing with, you know, Jackson about, no, nah, man, it's not a sign from God. It's just pure luck. He turns around and has a conversation and blows the guy's head off. And the dialogue that is just said in this scene is just so funny. It is so excellent. And you got Jackson who's got brains up in his fro. Oh my gosh, dude. It's so funny. I love it. It's fantastic. So it's just this whole sequence with Harvey Keitel being the wolf and taking charge. And of course we have Quentin Tarantino. He's always got to make his, you know, uh, per- performance in his movies. He's the real racist guy. Cause he, uh, he likes to say the N word a lot. And it, you're definitely kind of like, eh, kind of roll your eyes a little bit while he's saying it, but it's definitely, definitely a fun scene. Now, this story goes pretty fast. Um, you know, Quentin Tarantino, his name is Jimmy. Basically, his wife's going to be home soon. He doesn't want to get divorced. So they got 45 minutes to basically go clean up everything. And it's pretty fun. It's pretty fast scene. And that eventually will lead into why they have different clothes that you would see earlier on in the film, why they had a T-shirt and shorts. And uh, it was it was. It's just a really fun story. It's kind of the more comedic story, if you will. Uh, so I really enjoy it. And then essentially they decide, hey, how about we go to breakfast? And then you realize, oh, wait, that scene that happened earlier must be the same restaurant. And sure enough, they go to the dinner. They, they go to have some breakfast. And Jules is just having a decision to retire. And he's going to go walk the earth. And they just they, all the conversation you saw in the trailer. But what's really good about this is just like, you know what, I'm trying to turn my life around. You know, he kind of has this this pivotal moment of his life. And you know what, Travolta ain't having it. He's like, you know what, I'm going to the bathroom. That's when Mr. Uh, Mr. Pumpkin and Honey Bunny decide that, hey, that scene you saw very beginning of the movie, now is going to end the movie. 
And uh, this scene, I don't know, about 15 minutes, and it's fantastic. It's basically just Jackson stealing the scene and just saying, you know what, any other day I would totally blow your brains out. But you know what? I had a revelation. You know, I always say Ezekiel 25, 17, before I kill somebody, I always thought it made me awesome. But you know what? I'm realizing things. You know what? You're going to turn your life around, and I'm going to turn my life around. And he allows the two robbers to take the cash that they got, and he's gonna. They're gonna leave the briefcase alone. That's theirs. They they went through a lot of garbage to get that, and then they both decide that hey, you know what? We should go before the cops come. And and then the movie ends. So, you know, oh man, this movie is just it's so good. I've only seen this movie three times. The first time I saw it when I didn't like it. The second time when I was like, wow, this movie is really good. And then and then the other day and it it had so much impact on me where I'm just like you know what this is a movie that I want to talk about because I I forgot how great Quentin Tarantino really is you know and and anything he's you know from dusk till dawn um believe it or not I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs but I have that on Netflix so I'm going to check that out but Death Proof just pretty much any movie I've checked out of Quentin's I've loved now even Four Rooms it's pretty terrible except the last story but uh, man, he's just he, his his dialogue. For me, dialogue wise, Pulp Fiction and Death Proof are my favorite of his best written dialogue stuff. Now Django Unchained, um, I still have to watch, so then I can judge Django Unchained and Reservoir Dogs, uh, which I know it's kind of it's a crime. I should have seen those by now, but I haven't. I just haven't got around to it. But I'm trying to go through his filmography, so. Um, in regards to my rating, even though I absolutely hate that watch scene, it, it does nothing to my star rating. Now, it shouldn't be a shock that I definitely would consider this movie to be a five-star film. I mean, that should be pretty obvious. Um, and you know me, I'm contrarian masoonist, so I'm, I'm easy on the scores, if you will. But I think this movie warrants it. it it's This movie is, uh, what year did this come out? This came out in 1994, and you know what? It still holds up to this day. Music's fantastic. The dialogue is fantastic. Nothing has aged the film. It's kind of like a timeless piece. That's what's so great about it. Um, it's just, it's an amazing, an amazing film. Uh, there, there's not one person that phoned it in. The script is just great. Um, you know, and I don't go online and try to read what the holes of the movie are, or try to hear negative reviews, you know, and, um, but man, it, this is, you know, if you were to say your favorite Quentin movie is Pulp Fiction, man, I'd give you a high five and be like, hell yeah, brother. You know, I'm like, this movie is amazing. And I totally see why it, it changed the career of John Travolta. It made Uma Thurman a star. Samuel L. Jackson got to be in every single movie that ever came out. Um, man, so good. So uh, the highest, highest, highest recommend uh, for this movie, man, it is fantastic. If you have not seen it in forever, you know, and especially the stuff I talked about, if it's just like, oh man, I remember that scene it was so good. You need to watch it again. It is fantastic. And, you know, I know I was a little hard on the watch scene, but you know, it's just, man, this movie is amazing. So I, I freaking love it. I think it's, it's fantastic. And, uh, if, if you have an issue with the movie, I'd actually like to hear it, you know, kind of get some other opinions, but, uh, in regards to Masunas's review of Pulp Fiction, uh, definitely a high five. I don't know how many 
uh, more Quentin Tarantino reviews I'll be able to get to. Um, you know, I, and, you know, I'll be honest, man. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of take it day by day at this point. You know, um, I definitely, um, have some movies that I, I want to talk about, you know, um, I've had those long awaited promises, you know, no retreat, no surrender, if you will. And the diehard series and, and all that stuff. And I still remember that, you know, and of course trying to do the commentary tracks with back to the future and obviously end the show, uh, the final episode being the karate kid part two. So, and I don't see that happening just quite yet, but I also, you know, want to be honest with you guys and be like, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, you, if if you still want to hear me, I will still get on the microphone. I just I just don't know when. You know, I got to take it day by day, and I'll give you guys a heads up, saying, "Hey, things are looking good. How about we do a show? And if we do a show, what movie should we do? You know, kind of take it like that way." So, um, I, I would love to do more Quentin Tarantino movies. You know, uh, but I, I just based on the way life has changed for me so much in a year. You know, it's just like time is just not of the essence anymore. So, um, and I figured, hey, if I'm going to do a Quentin Tarantino movie, it better be a movie that everybody loves and adores, right? So, and it's a movie that got me excited to want to get behind the microphone. And that's what it's all about. You know, I don't want to pump out episodes to pump out episodes. I, I, I could care less how many number, how much numbers I have on iTunes. I want to be excited to talk about a movie you know, I want I want to get people, uh, you know, as pumped up about it as I am. So, you know, if 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 that's a movie, you know, if you see me posting a movie, that's a movie that I want to talk about. So, chances are it's going to get a really good score because that's a movie I want to talk about. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think that's it for the review. So, I got some emails. So, how about we go ahead and hear what the STL Nation has to say. Alright, so the first email comes from my boy Bart Luciano up in Chicago, Chi Town. Good to hear from you, man. This is my longtime friend. So this is uh email he wrote for They Live. So here's what he had to say. What's up, Masunas and the STL Nation? Uh your review brought back so many memories of this movie and took me back to watching this late at night, sitting in the floor and just thinking this movie was the best ever. It made me uh reminisce so much I had to find it and show my wife. She even loved it, and she's a hard one to please, laugh out loud. It's a B-movie, but man, it's top of the game. And I agree 100%, sir. Just like you both said, it still is relevant and has a great theme regarding the commercialism and subliminal messages. Uh, it's really a good movie, and if it's ever on, I just watch—I just have to watch it, just like Big Trouble in Little China. Great movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. P.S. Great music in the episode, too. Well, thank you, sir. That's the episode I played me some pillar. Embrace the Chaos, number one song of the year. Woohoo! And that's the that's the question. Is that still my favorite song of the year? Absolutely. Hello, spoiler alert. Of course it's my favorite song of the year. No no that should be no worries there. So the question remains, what's my number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way up to twenty? That's the real question. So 
All right. Uh, we got two more. The next one is, uh, ooh, this one is from Hurricane Andrew. Haven't heard you for, in a while, sir. Hello, Mike and Jameson. This is actually about the big Lebowski, but it's okay, though. He hasn't seen it. Neither have I. I missed it on Netflix, but I could talk about what he's going to talk about in this episode uh, or in this email. Hey, hello, Mike and Jameson. Hope you guys are good. Been a while since I wrote in, so I figured I'd drop a line here. Thanks for keeping the show rolling with how busy you are. I know because I am also in school with the wife and kids as well as working full time, so I know how time consuming that all is. Yeah, I mean, it's true, you know, working 40 hours a week, going to school, you know, taking care of kids, going to school functions, you know, trying to spend time with your spouse uh, when they work the opposite shift as you. The last thing you want to do is get behind a microphone. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, I've been listening to past shows to keep me busy because, honestly, so many of these other podcasts on iTunes suck. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. As for The Big Lebowski, I've never seen it. Maybe after listening to this show, I'll check it out sometime. I'm still holding out for The Last Action Hero and Over the Top Review. Now, that, sir, is going to happen. Um, again, remember I said I got a list of movies that I have to do before I, I pull the plug on STL. Um, I, again, I say I got about another year left in me uh, to do. So, And if I've been averaging one episode, I think I got 12 episodes left in me. So we definitely are going to have Over the Top and Last Action Hero in there. Hopefully, Jameson will be a part of both of them. I will go out of my way to make sure he's on both because I know he loves one and hates the other. So that'll be good times. I think I remember Jameson saying how much he hates Last Action Hero. So it'd be fun to hear you explain how wrong he is and how he clearly can't recognize cinematic masterpieces when he sees one. That is 100% true, man. I'm going to reread this, by the way, uh, when Jameson gets on just so he can defend himself and you're right, we both can tell him how wrong he is. And that's the bottom line, because Hurricane Andrew says so. Thank you, sir, for writing in. Excellent, excellent times. And our last one comes from my good friend, uh, America's co-host, uh, the man who has more podcasts than I've ever had. Uh, I hope you don't get burned out, sir, because that's the last thing I want for you. So, uh, Mr. Jameson Rabbit wrote in, Hey, Mike, glad to hear you're back recording again. Me too, sir. Uh, you've picked a great movie to come back with. Pulp Fiction has always served as a time machine for me. It instantly brings me back to the 17-year-old kid who was blown away in the theaters by it. I have an interesting history with this movie that I won't go into until the Statue of Limitation runs out. Uh, but unlike several of the transformative films of its time, Pulp actually holds up well. The script is strong. The dialogue is snappy. Despite being, uh, despite both showing holes that Tarantino would begin to fill with future movies, Pulp was a trendsetter in the style and edit, and few movies had a better soundtrack. Um, agree, sir. Uh, I definitely want to hear, you know, um, the holes that got filled later on. I definitely love to hear uh, what you have to say about that one. Uh, I could go on and on, but let's just say I'm a fan. And as a bonus, I have a wife who dressed up as a very convincing Mia Wallace for Halloween, adrenaline needle in the chest and all. I look forward to listening to more episodes from you, Mike. I'm out, Jameson. Thank you, sir, so much. Um, hopefully you and I can uh, get back together. Uh, our schedule has been kind of whack, but uh, things are starting to get back to normal, I think. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to it now. Now, don't 
take it to heart when I said I think I got 12 left in me. I'm just, you know, that's that's an average. I mean, obviously, if I hit number 12 and I'm still feeling good, I'm not going to be like, okay, show's over. I'm just trying to say the average feels like it's been like once a month. And I know it's been like, what, two, three months since I've had a new one. But, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of saying that uh, I'm not ready to pull the plug out yet. But I just kind of want to let you guys know that, you know, I can never go back to being full time like I was, you know, uh, maybe if like, you know, there's some miracle and all of a sudden I never have to work again. Hey, then yeah, I'll be popping out episodes every day. Heck yeah, you know, and life isn't busy, but uh, it's been, it's been a super fun, you know, super fun, long ride. Um, You know, I know there's podcasts out there that are going on five, six, seven, eight, ten years, whatever the case may be. But, uh, I definitely, I don't regret a single, single episode I've ever done. I I don't regret a single uh, moment. Um, It's been fun. I've gained so many cool people. You know, I've gotten to know so many cool people and gotten so many great friends. And um, it's been, it's been amazing, this, this STL ride. And the cool thing is, like I always say, you know, we got the STL Nation now. So it's like, you know when the show isn't on, we can still talk, you know, in the Facebook group and everybody has their own personality. So, and also, uh, I want to give a shout out to, uh, to Anthony. Um, he lost his sister. Um, so, you know, definitely, um, heartfelt, you know, prayers and thoughts out to you, Anthony. Um, I know it was a, a tough break for you. Um, so, uh, and, you know, apologize if you didn't want anybody to know, but, you know, just, uh, friend, friend, you know, um, give my heart out to you. And, uh, I hope everything, you know, with the family, you know, everything goes well um, as best as it can. You know, I, I can't I haven't lost a sister yet. I have a brother in law who I was really close to who's currently suffering uh, with cancer and he's kind of on his deathbed. So, you know, it's definitely not a, a fun thing to, to go through. So um, thoughts and prayers out to you, man. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can hear from you uh, again because, you know, you used to write in all the time, Anthony, the epic emailer. So, um, but hey, it's uh, it's October. Um, you know, I, this is this has always been my favorite time of the year to do the STL Horror Fest. Um, you know, I'd love to say I got a horror movie to do. Um, hey, maybe if in the next, you know, 14 days something comes up, you know, that'd be that'd be fun, you know. I was actually thinking about doing maybe Child's Play because I just bought that the other night. But, you know, I, I've kind of touched base on the Child's Play series, you know, and um, whatever horror movie I'd want to pick, I'd want it to be special. But uh, so I don't know. I don't know what, you know, series I, I would do next, you know. Unfortunately, I don't have time to do it now. Uh, but, hey, maybe if things get better and, and, you know, next Halloween all is still well, Hey, maybe we can pick a series and, you know, vote on it or whatever. So, all right, guys, that's it for news. That's it for the review. That's it for emails. So let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. All right, so for this particular episode, I kind of thought, 
You know what? I think I'll go with the, <laughs> I think I'll go with the theme of miracles, if you will, uh, because you know Mr. Sam Jackson had his miracle with the with the bullets, and uh, I had my miracle with the whole van. Uh, with the wheel staying on and not dying. So this is a song that I got introduced to this summer, uh, of course, from one of my favorite artists. There's been a lot of great music this year, and but this particular song, this is one that I've listened to a lot, um, and it's definitely like kind of how I've been feeling. It's called Beyond Me. Uh, it's essentially about the fact of um, things are out of my control. Things are, you know, way beyond me. Um, and the music in this song, fantastic. The little um, kind of piano um, dance. I don't, I don't want to say dance, but the piano, the piano harmony that happens in this song is fantastic. Anyways, it comes from my boy T Mac, Toby Mac. Um, you know, there's some Toby Mac fans out there. Uh, in the STL land. This is his uh, new single, Beyond Me. It's fantastic. It's definitely how my life has been going these past couple of months and uh, how the rest of my months will probably continue to go. And uh, it's, it's you know, it's been my summer song, if you will. Um, it's just a song that, man, I'm pretty much popping in every day just to just realize that so many things are out of my hands that, you know, I just got to let things go day by day, if you will. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's good times and uh, it's a great way to end the episode. Great way of uh, of ending it for the theme of miracles, if you will. And uh, in regards to the next episode, hopefully Jameson and I can get together and uh, do a movie. Uh, it's supposed to be The Big Lebowski, but we shall see. Uh, you know, maybe over the top needs to get priority over uh, the Big Lebowski. Uh, I guess we'll kind of see how it goes, you know. Plus, uh, you know, things are going to get kind of busy soon. You know, we got uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up, you know. But uh, worst case scenario, and this is worst case scenario, the next episode will be my year-end episode uh, of my top 20 songs of 2015. Guaranteed. That's a guaranteed promise you will get that episode. So that's worst case scenario that, you know, Armageddon happens and I can't do an episode, if you will, uh, until December. But my goal is to uh, get one out next month. So I'm going to try to get a hold of Jameson, see what we can work out for schedule, get a movie out there, maybe throw up a quick vote to see. Because uh, Big Lebowski, unfortunately, I missed on Netflix and it's not in my local video store. So that's kind of disappointing. So I kind of screwed up there. Uh, but hey, I'm kind of I'm kind of down for some slide, don't you? Want to see some arm wrestling? That's what I'm talking about. Some Kenny Loggins, uh, meet me halfway. Oh, so good. I can't sing, but man, that felt good right there. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. If you've lasted this whole time listening to me blabber about random crap, uh, good times. So, if you want to write in, feel free. The address is still stlpodcast at gmail.com. The website's still going, www.stlpodcast.com. Um, you can find the show on iTunes. You can tell your friends. There's an app, actually, for Podbean. That's the feed that goes. Uh, you know, I pay Podbean. They put the show on iTunes. So there's actually an app for that. So uh, if you don't really want to listen on iTunes, just download the Podbean app, type in Sweep the Leg. Boom, you can listen on there. So it's pretty cool. I love technology. Uh, So I guess that should wrap it up for now. 
And uh, I might even throw in a bonus song at the end. Who knows? But for now, I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. I had fun talking about it. It felt really good. Get all that stuff off my chest. So I will catch you guys on the next episode. In the meantime, you guys have a good one. Take care. And soon as up. Call it a reason to retreat. I got some dreams that are bigger than me. I might be outmatched, outsized, the underdog in the fight of my life. Is it so crazy to believe? That you gave me the stars, put them out of my reach Call me the waters a little too deep Oh, I've never been so aware of my need You keep on making me see It's way beyond me It's way beyond me It's out of my league You gave me the stars that